What's up, guys? Thank you all for watching this edition of the Uncommitted Podcast. We are on episode five. I'm your host, EJ Stewart. I'm joined by Kendall. We got a lot to talk about on today's show. Uh, we got some big commitments from some big five-star top ten recruits, Kennedy Chandler and Paolo Banchero. We now know where they'll be headed next fall. These guys are the two top 2021 recruits, so we'll talk about that. Also, um, some more trouble for LSU. It seems like the vultures are circling and uh, the walls are closing in on Will Wade. We'll give you guys the latest update on situation with their um, recruiting, potential recruiting violations and, and the hammer that may be coming on them shortly. And it seems like it's a, it's a you know monthly occurrence as we do this podcast, man. Kentucky, a lot of moving, shifting parts, new commitments, uh, players maybe that were leaning Kentucky, maybe leaning elsewhere, new uh, members of the coaching staff. So we're going to break that all down. It should be a good podcast. Kendall is my co-host. And Kendall, um, we knew we were going to talk about Will Wade today and the LSU stuff. And you uh, pointed me to The Scheme, which is an HBO documentary on Christian Dawkins, who was the, the I, I say, the center of the FBI investigation into college basketball bribery and corruption, though this, the, the documentary does a very good job of making it clear that he probably wasn't the big fish that they were looking for. Um I got I got just three words, man. Free Christian Dawkins. I mean this this situation was a setup. It is uh, I don't want smoke with the FBI, but what happened to that young man was foul. Um, I suggest anybody who has not seen the scheme. I know it's two hours. I'll be honest. I texted Kendall when I saw it was two hours. I almost said I'll do this another time. But for whatever reason, I decided to, you know I'm gonna stick it out and I'll see. Maybe I'll watch half of it and maybe watch the rest of it. Before we do the pod, I was glued for the two hours of this it's a good story. Movie, it's a great documentary. Shout out to HBO and shout out to whoever produced and direct that, directed that. And apologies, I don't have you off the top of my head. Um, it was remarkable. I mean, if you love college basketball and you love this recruiting stuff and um, and you're into like the kind of nitty gritty stuff that goes on, the grimy stuff that goes on, it's a great kind of inside look at that situation and then what happens with these schools and these high high big time recruitments but Christian Dawkins man it sucks because he's just been like just dragged through the mud as some crazy shadowy you know suspicious kind of figure and it's just it's just corny it's terrible and I just feel so bad for him I hope that he gets off I know he's appealing his case they they got like like seven of the ten charges you know uh, you know they got they, they were acquitted on them so I, I'm happy for him for that Especially the one that they were trying to give two hundred years on one, like it's just like nonsense. But right. um, it was crazy to me how like they tried to pin the idea of paying the coaches being the bribery and like the scheme part of it because paying like the players or the families as Christian Dawkins normally did business, you know, there's there's no illegality in there, and to see kind of how these FBI people kept pushing him to do the illegal action in their eyes. That he didn't want to do because he thought it just yeah, didn't make sense. It was crazy. It just doesn't help us. <laughs> that was, that was the funniest part of the documentary was that like Dawkins like didn't didn't understand what this guy was doing. He's like this guy was this guy was like a chump. This guy doesn't. He's just saying the guy. He's just saying this guy Jeff is an idiot. Like he has all this money, he's just blowing it. That was the most ridiculous thing. This guy, he's like, this guy's an idiot. Um, yeah, I mean that was it was it was, it was definitely a funny documentary in that regard. Um, obviously, like you say, illuminating in terms of the what goes on behind the scenes in, with some of these college basketball cases, and 
obviously we're gonna talk about Will Wade and probably a little bit of Sean Miller, but like that, like the fact that those guys still have jobs is still mind boggling. Yeah, Sean Miller, man, I I just don't. I mean, we'll get to Wade, but Sean Miller, like, I just don't understand. I. I mean, I, I understand. We've talked about it on the New Generation podcast, a New Generation Sports Talk podcast, um, and I think that there's just kind of an apathy towards like this kind of like quote unquote corruption. And I thought it was kind of cool that Christian at one point says like, I don't think that people who pay players are bad people. I, that, I think right. they're good people because these people yeah. should be getting paid. <laughs> like, I think it's bad that the people who say I'm not going to pay anybody, which is a yeah. very unique perspective. And I kind of like that he put that. It's wild, play, despite the fact that all these people have kind of. You know, painted him as a bad guy. Like you know, the Wades and the and the and the Sean Mills of the world have kind of left him out there to be painted as this crazy villain. And he's even here, even with you know facing prison time, being like, I don't think that people who do what they do are bad people. Um, I just it, it, you know, it's I wild. Know. It's wild how much uh, the FBI looked at Ring, uh, Rick Pitino as like a like the kingpin of all this, like a mob boss. He yeah, they, the they really wanted to like throw Rick. Rick they wanted Rick Pertino under the jail. It was very clear in the documentary. They wanted him behind bars. Yeah, they wanted him under the jail, gone for years, for a long time. I don't know why. To me, like, there's got to be some other thing that's going on as to why they 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 were so interested in Rick Pertino. But this documentary also made it nuts that anybody would hire him. Like, to me, I don't know about you, Ken. I know you said that, you know, somebody will hire Rick Pitino, and we've gone back and forth about on this podcast. Yeah. Or not this podcast, but on our Sports Talk podcast, which y'all should check out, by the way. You know, SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, all good stuff. <laughs> not just college basketball, but NBA, NFL stuff. Um, but, like, this to me makes it even crazier that someone <laughs> hired Rick Pitino. Because the feds were after him. And now, look, it looks like the feds are kind of backed off, and they don't really want to smoke anymore because they've been embarrassed. But... The idea that I was like, I don't care. We're still going to hire him. I'm just like, wow, that takes some hubris to me. Yeah. Well, look, I want to – you know, they haven't been in the best spot. You know, Tim Clues did a, did, a, did a great job with that program, but they kind of, you know, plateaued a little bit. So they were desperate. So it takes a desperate program and a desperate AD to uh, die Rick Pitino, and that's what we saw. Well, look, man, <laughs> shout, out to, shout out to Christian Dawkins. Um, hope he, he, he wins this appeal. He's in space and he's jail time. And also that dude, the, the dude, the white dude who like was facing seventy years, who was like their informant. Oh, the like, guy, Murray something or whatever. His name nah, I forgot what his name was. You know, he had the weird haircut, and that guy, yeah. he he Marty like Blazer, stole something. Blazer, yeah, right? Blazer, something. Bla- Marty Blazer. Marty yeah, Blazer. Marty Blazer. Who sa- he sounds like a freaking like Madden character, like your agent yeah. in Madden when you're like my player or whatever. He was the, that he doesn't look like a real person. Like the, the characters that were involved in this story were wild to me. But uh, the guy who, 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 like, stole millions and millions of dollars from all these investors for years that they used to get Christian Dawkins on some nonsense charges, and yeah. he got probation he and no jail time. I mean, he got, he got no jail time just to turn over Christian Dawkins. <laughs> only in America is all I can say about that, man. Only in America. Uh, anyway, um, let's get to the show, man. Let's get to the recruiting stuff we got to talk about. So... Obviously, one of the big stories came out this past month. Uh, a lot of these commitments were very recent. Two of the top high school seniors in the country announced they will be heading, where they'll be heading for college in the fall. Number one ranked point guard Kennedy Chandler announced uh, his commitment to the University of Tennessee. The Memphis native told ESPN he was looking for a school that he could, uh, where he could develop a strong family atmosphere and a strong connection and bond to a head coach. Chandler says he believes he's found that in uh, Rick Barnes and the Volunteers. 
He's the highest ranked player to commit to Tennessee since Tobias Harris in 2007 and Scotty Hobson in 2008. So shout out to the volunteer fans who remember Scottie those Hobson. those names. <laughs> you, you should know Tobias Harris. He's in the NBA. Obviously, Scotty Hobson. That's a a little what bit a of a pull there. Scotty Hobson coming out of high school. People that don't Scottie remember. Hobson, Scotty Hobson had game, man. He was and he yeah. was good. He was good, yeah. I'm, we're putting respect on Scotty Hobson's name. Yeah. Hobson, Hobson's name. He could ball. He, fell, he, was, he was one of the guys that fell into a situation where, like, he didn't go to a one-and-done factory. So, like, because of that, he he kind of fit as a part of Bruce Pearl's schemes. And sometimes it happens to guys, and he just – you know, never really developed. I think that was the issue. That he got to Tennessee and was there for I, I, I believe I believe three years, but it might have been three or four, and but never really developed. But that guy can play, man. And the hype coming into Tennessee, that that's why we see Kennedy Chandler as the best guy since Scotty Hobson, Tobias Harris. But yeah, yeah, he was yeah. a, a way back machine. <laughs> yeah, he was good. Shout out to Scotty Hobson, of course. Shout out to Tobias Harris, who I know because I played AU ball with him when I was a twelve-year-old, eleven-year-old. Um, also, this past month, uh, Paolo Banchero, a forward out of Seattle, announced that he would be joining the Brotherhood, committing to the Duke Blue Devils after a very hotly contested recruitment that included Tennessee, which a lot of people thought that um, Chandler and Banchero would be maybe a package deal. That obviously did not work out. Um, Gonzaga, Washington, Arizona, Kentucky were also involved in that recruitment. Banchero, who was ranked the number three player in most uh, recruiting databases for the 2021 class, is the second top 10 commit to join the Blue Devils alongside A.J. Griffin. So, Kendall, uh, were you surprised by either of these commitments, and how do you think this uh, kind of sets the recruiting landscape for 2021 as we stand here today? Yeah. Um, this is this was a these – were, these were interesting. I mean, look, the Kennedy Chandler one, if you would have told me in January uh, that he was headed to Tennessee, I would have I would have been slightly surprised. I think a lot of people thought Duke – was out in front for Kennedy Chandler, um, and that Kentucky and Tennessee were kind of on the rear. I don't know what Duke's really... I don't know where their thing is at in terms of the point guard position um, in the 2021 class. I think part of me thinks that they don't think that they have a one-and-done point guard on the roster right now. And so, you know, Jeremy Roach, who's coming in next year, might be a guy that's a two-year guy, so they may not feel the priority to recruit a five-star point guard. Um, it's crazy now that that's what we're talking about with Duke because they got to recruit a five-star point guard every year. I mean, before it was like you had to recruit a five-star point guard every three years for Duke. <laughs> now it's become every year. Um, but so I think as the situation developed, and I think they kind of realized we don't need a five-star necessarily. We can bring in we don't we could bring in a you know a kind of a more developmental point guard prospect, or we could wait till 2022. Um, it became clear that Kennedy Chandler was now probably headed to Tennessee because Kentucky also has a lot of different priorities. And we'll talk about Kentucky and their point guard situation um, later in the podcast. But so once that happened, the Tennessee thing in recent months is not much of a surprise. And Memphis was trying, was in there a little bit. Kennedy Chandler played for team Penny back in the day. So there was a connection there, but it never really felt like Penny Hardaway prioritized Kennedy Chandler the way he has with other guys. I don't know if that's because Kennedy Chandler, he knew that he wasn't going to get him. Or if that was because there was some reason why he wasn't interested in Kennedy Chandler. But for whatever reason, no one really ever thought Kennedy Chandler was Memphis bound. For a guy, five-star point guard, arguably the best point guard in the country coming out of Memphis. So um, that one, not a shock. Shout-out to Rick Barnes. Shout-out to Kim English, an assistant, former uh, Tennessee, uh, Missouri great. Missouri, Um, yeah. Yeah, who really closed the deal on this Kennedy Chandler recruitment. But... 
Uh, the Banchero one, that's the one that's the shock. I mean, this has, this has, it's not the Zion commitment, because the Zion commitment is still the, the biggest shock in college basketball recruiting history in the last decade in terms of when it happened, the impact it had, um, and, like, the un- the unlikelihood or the unlikeliness that it was going to happen. Um, this Banchero situation, though, is very, very surprising. You know, when you look at the crystal balls, they were all Washington, all Kentucky, I think primarily Kentucky. And what some people also thought Tennessee was going to be there with a package deal, like you said. And Duke wasn't really in the picture. Duke was in, they were there. They wanted Banchero, obviously, but it was similar to Zion. They were third or fourth in the race. And really, a lot of people thought, well, I mean, yeah, I guess Duke can get back in the race if they get Kennedy Chandler, who at one point Kennedy Chandler said that Duke was his dream school. Um, so you feel like, all right, once Kennedy Chandler's going to Tennessee, well, I mean, Duke, you know, now they got to really regroup because they don't get Kennedy Chandler. They're probably not getting Banchero. You know, where, where is their recruiting class at now? You know, obviously they have Adrian Griffin Jr., A.J. Griffin committed, who's a five-star top 10 guy in the country out of New Jersey, uh, who some people think could be the number one pick in the draft when he comes out. But, you know, now you add Banchero. And what was a shocking commitment? No one knew he was committing. A shocking commitment out of nowhere. A kid goes without making any official visits in his senior year, um, commits to Duke. It that again. It really shows you that people thought when Jeff Capel left Duke that all right, yeah, Jeff Capel helped against Zion and Barrett and Reddish, but you know we saw the next year the recruiting class looked like it was starting to slip a little bit. Um, then they got Matthew Hurt and Vernon Carey and those guys and, you know, Cassius Stanley. And it was like, all right, maybe Duke's fine, but, you know, still not Zion, Barrett, Reddish. This recruiting class coming in this year, certainly not Zion, Barrett, Reddish. At Zion, Barrett, Reddish it has depth, but no A1 talent, I think, coming in for Duke uh, this upcoming season. But now you bring in A.J. Griffin, you bring in... Paolo Banchero, two guys that are competing to be the number one pick in the draft in 2022. And now, I mean, you're cooking with Gask. Not to mention Patrick Baldwin, a uh, kid out of Wisconsin who's a top five player in the country, also seems to be a Duke lean, uh, along with Kentucky and uh, uh, Wisconsin-Milwaukee, of all schools, because <laughs> that's where his dad coaches, Pat Baldwin Sr. So uh, that would be an interesting, an interesting recruitment that we will be following on this show. But um, no, this is a huge shock, and look, again, it shows you that the mighty haven't fallen as much as people thought, and John Shire's still there, even though there's some flux about what's happening with Nolan Smith, well, now he could be up for some other jobs, which we'll eventually talk yeah. about in the show, probably, we'll, we'll see, but, um, regardless, as long as Coach K is there, and as long as they still have a strong assistant staff around Coach K, they're still gonna get the five stars, this is a major, major message to the rest of college basketball that we, we can go, if we're Duke, and we can still get a kid out of Seattle as a five-star top three player in the country that every school in the country wants to. Um, again, tough blow to Washington, who I thought, who I think they thought they had a chance at Banchero. I think Gonzaga thought they had a chance at Banchero. Um, again, local schools over there, and at Kentucky, I think, realized as time went on, it was going to be a little bit more of a long shot, and I think Tennessee, it was a swing for the fences. Um, to hope they can get Kennedy Chandler and or Banchero. 
they were going to certainly be fine with one or the other, and they got Chandler, and I think they're, they're very pleased with that. Um, you can't expect Tennessee to get a five-star top three kid out of Seattle. But, um, but Duke, major message. Yeah, I agree. I mean, the Vanchero thing, I, I, I wasn't stunned only because it's Duke, and Duke has done this before, as you mentioned, with these kind of recruits that you're kind of not really eyeing at, at being a Duke commit all of a sudden, you know, they're with the Blue Devils. So uh, Vanchero uh, fit the bill for for a lot of those aspects you look at in the Dukie. So that part wasn't surprising as much. Um, I, I agree. I do think it is a blow for particularly Washington. Um, I thought Mike Hopkins when he got to UW, had some really strong momentum there. I'm not saying this is his momentum is over, but uh, they had a really rough year last year. Um, after bringing in a, five star. yes, after bringing in an excellent recruiting class, and I do wonder if part of Banchero's, uh, you know, apprehension was seeing, you know, how much they flopped last year as a team with two top big time. Uh, freshman recruits, now, two guys that were looked at as as top as potential lottery picks that probably won't be in the lottery now. Um, that 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 I think may may play the factor. Then UK, I mean, we've talked about you know the 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 Seattle pipeline to UK on this show a lot, and for Duke to kind of come in and they have really have I don't know I don't think they've I, don't, I can't think of a Seattle player that's ever went to do. I'm not saying it's never happened, yeah, I, I, but not, I can't yeah. think of any high-profile guy. So that's this is not yeah, not this an was, NBA guy. Yeah, this yeah. is K and that staff kind of you know fish out of water, you know plucking one of the best kids to come mm-hmm. out of there in a really long time. Uh, shout out to uh, Duke, you know another amazing recruitment there. In terms of the um, the Chandler commitment, man, Rick Barnes. The momentum continues. Like it, it's 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 funny because I think we argued on the show. I think you know in the other podcast you talked about when, we, when they hired Barnes. I thought it was a great hire, and you were kind of like, I don't think so. Um, I don't even know yeah. if I expected he would be this strong in the recruiting trail and this strong as a coach for Tennessee this quickly. But um, you know, Nabman you know Chandler. What? I mean, you know, who's a, just a lightning quick guard can get to the hole. Um, he said that yeah, uh, Barnes sees him kind of like T.J. Ford, and I kind of see some of the similarities as well. That's gonna be uh, that's gonna be fun to see how how he uses him, right? And so one thing on the Rick Barnes thing, this kind of reminds me of what Matt Brown is doing in North Carolina, where it's like people kind of roll their eyes at a retread coach who you know won at Texas, ironically enough, um, but he isn't gonna be able to do anything at this, you know, for North Carolina basketball school, Tennessee football school, and has really you know made their presence felt on the recruiting trail, and will start and. Barnes has already won at a high level. Mac Brown will probably start winning at a high level this season. Um, but with Kennedy Chandler, what's interesting is he's a top 10 player in the country. I don't know if he's a one-and-done point guard. And that's interesting because when you look at the one-and-done point guards that we've seen since the one-and-done era, since 2006, 2007, we haven't seen point guards of his profile, the, the floor general game manager kind of point guard yeah six foot point guard yeah one and done you know like we've seen those guys beat mcdonald's all americans all the time every year there's a point guard like that it's a mcdonald's american typically those guys stay multiple years you know tyler ulis very good very 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 good point guard uh in the nba i'm not saying kenny Chandler's not an nba player he'll be in the nba certainly um jalen brunson was another mcdonald's american guy but you know 
typically the the McDonald the, the one and done point guards are the guys with elite physical profiles, um, or just an elite skill level like Trey Young, like guys who are just electric with their scoring ability. Um, Kennedy Chandler doesn't really feel like that, but I mean, look, maybe he is. You know, like I guess some people thought Darius Garland was also in that mold, and Darius Garland um, had way more pop scoring wise than I think people expected coming into college. Um, not that people didn't know, but, um, and he only played five games, but I think Darius Garland was also helped by going to a school in Vanderbilt that allowed him to just be the guy. And Kennedy Chandler will be going into a semi-similar situation. Obviously, we'll see what happens with Jaden Springer this season, whether or not he comes back and plays with Kennedy Chandler. You know, they brought, so they last year, they, they've had a McDonald's American the last three seasons. So, um, Josiah James, uh, the year prior to that, who will, will be playing with Jaden uh, Springer this year. Um, we'll see what kind of talent base they have there at Tennessee. They've been recruiting extremely well over the last two or three years. They've had multiple top five classes now. So we'll see, is he going to be on a team that's pretty stacked where he's got to kind of run the team a little bit, or is this going to be his full reign? That'll be the question, but he's probably a guy that to me projects as a two to three year college player, which is best case scenario for Barnes. You know, you bring in a guy, sometimes these teams like Washington with Markel Fultz, they bring in a five-star point guard, and he may help you for one year, but what does that do for you as a program? If you're not going to yeah, win. Especially if you don't win a national championship or yeah. make a big run in the tournament. Yeah. But now if you have that guy in your program for two to three years and you could build around him, which I think you can with Kennedy Chandler, um, now, yeah, like you saw with Villanova with Jalen Brunson, you can build a championship team around that guy. So... Yeah, Tennessee's going to be really dangerous. Um, what did you, what 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 do you think of Banchero as a prospect? Oh, I think Banchero can play. Um, I, yeah, I, you, I think best player in the country. Um, you possibly. have Holmgren also in that conversation. Um, yeah, Holmgren, Holmgren's really good, but he's still kind of a project. Yeah, hey, we've talked about talked about it. I think maybe in the last one or two two episodes ago, like. I think that he's still kind of figuring out who he is as a player. I like he has a whole year of development and strength training and all that stuff to get his body right, and he may right. find who out who he is. You know, his freshman year, so which is yeah. why he Who's ranked so high. Plenty of times, guys that had holes in high school by the time they got to college is like, wow, this guy, like Zion. You yeah. all Zion, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Zion was not looked at as the top guy, but like yeah. that year of. Yeah development and in that offseason of training with duke and he was the guy it, it, you know that's all it took so um so i i could see it both i could see that with holmgren as well so i don't want to discount him but uh, but i mean banchero is really good uh again he's to me like your modern four man in terms of when you look yes. at the nba guys and guys who can like, do multiple things he's modern and old at the same at the same time like he he can play back to the basket like you're Carl Malone, like power forward, or your guy that um, you know can play with his back to the basket, but he can also be your face-up four man or even five man, like you said, in a more modern NBA style. Uh, for college basketball, I think he's the best prospect coming into college basketball next year. Chet Holmgren, I think, still projects as the best NBA prospect because of what he gives you on the defensive end, and Banchero being kind of limited physically. Um, in terms of his athleticism and his size, is a little bit of a question mark. But the skill level and the strength, he seems like the best player right now. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I think that skill level, you know, 
it just threw the roof for a guy uh, his size. And I'm curious, you know, what this means for Patrick Baldwin, who also, you know, similar, you know, length. And, yeah. you know, are they... And Ethan Griffin, like I said, that's now three yeah. guys in that six... It's kind of like the Zion situation. Yeah, exactly. It looks very similar. Yeah. <laughs> Physical profile. You know, they play different positions, but, like, you're going to have all three of these guys, three forwards? How they, they might. Gonna, you know, yeah. but whatchamacallit, but Coach Gay has the blueprint. The question is, will any of those guys look at what happened with Zion and say, well, I could be Zion, which is great, but I could also be Reddish. Cam Reddish, you know? right. Well, I want to be Cam Reddish and then go from a top three guy to, to being the number 10 pick in the draft for the sake of helping the other two guys, you know? And that would be the question. I also, the one thing you mentioned, we talk about Coach K in Seattle, and I thought about what Coach K player, first of all, I thought about which player Al Banchero remind me of. And then I thought of a guy that I also realized also went to Duke and also was from the Pacific Northwest. I don't know if you know what I'm thinking of. No, I have no idea. Carlos Boozer. Ah, okay. You feel like Carlos Boozer, that could have been a part of the recruiting pitch. Like, look, I coach Carlos Boozer, a guy from Alaska, not from Seattle, obviously, but very, very far from Seattle, obviously, but still on the same on the same coast. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. On the same coast, you know, people, I'm sure people from Alaska probably are in Seattle quite a bit and vice versa. But um, that's, that's an interesting comp for Paolo Banchero, and I think it's an interesting recruiting pitch if that is indeed the, the comparison. Just like, you know, I think Duke was very heavy on Isaiah Stewart, and they probably used the Elton Brand recruiting pitch on Isaiah Stewart. I think it didn't work <laughs> going to Washington. But um, I, I feel like they probably used that with. Banchero with Carlos Boozer. And shout probably Elton. Well, you know, he probably threw that out there as well. But Yeah, shout out to shout out to Carlos Boozer also, who is uh I think an underrated Dukey and an underrated pro, actually. Uh, we kinda make fun because make fun of him because of the uh hair situation <laughs> and him yelling after uh, barely being touched on an and one. But Carlos Boozer, <laughs> you know, multiple time all star. He he was a good player. Um let's shift focus now. And move to uh, a tough situation happening down south where LSU could be in hot water at the ESPN. ESPN learned this past week that the NCAA has determined the basketball program offered impermissible benefits to 11 potential recruits and the people around them. The NCAA school uh, says the school offered a range and delivered on benefits that included cash payments. Um, in referring to the, the case to the independent account accountability resolution process, which handles complex cases such as this the ncaa said head coach will wade's quote underlying actions give uh, rise to this case and his tactics during the investigation have delayed resolution dramatically he's employed in a leadership position at lsu yet the institution has been unable to secure his full cooperation and is accountable for his behavior uh wade was briefly suspended following that uh christian dawkins scandal that we talked about at the top of the show but since then has been reinstated and maintains he has broken no rules. Kendall, how does this all end up, and what is your your, your take on this um, situation happening down uh, in Louisiana? Look, I mean, you know, it's funny because Trenton Watford, uh, I, you know, who, guy who seemingly was going to be a one-and-done guy at LSU, decided actually to to Baton Rouge as well as Javante Smart. I think probably because they realized, they probably watched the scheme and were like, wait, we get paid more at LSU than we do at the G League. 
So why would I go enter the draft, be a second round pick, be in the G League when I can get paid more at LSU? Uh, no, I mean, look, this is not good. What part of this? What part of this is fact? Like, what part, is any of this, or is this all reports? Because obviously, you you know, the LSU fans and the Arizona fans are always going to be like, ah, oh, but this is anonymous sources. This is so this according is, to ESPN, they got documents that the NCA has drafted or created in some way they may have given it to lsu already um that this is what they found so okay this is this, this is and, like a source no i mean it's it's a source in the sense that like unless right, someone thinks that someone thinks they forged the documents like this is what yeah. they think or unless right. the, the ncaa is like oh that was that they were yeah or unless the ncaa says oh this was not there was an early draft and we didn't go through it or we were you know what if you know right. I, who knows what these things but these are documents obtained by espn Yes, okay. that were NCA okay. documents that are, and then the the letter I think is 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 right. like that's that the letter that was sent to the uh, IARP, um, that is that was separate from this these documents, right. and that's and that that, that that last term you mentioned there, EJ, yeah, that last term you mentioned there, the IARP is is it, it look is that's the elephant in the room that we don't really know. It's the wild card, I should say. We don't really know how that's going to play out because yeah. it's a new system that the NCAA has kind of adopted that's made it to where, like, these schools can now go to these independent rulers. And and once that happens, you can't appeal. Like, whatever you get is what you get. You get what you get and you don't get upset. It's what the IARP is. And Memphis is going through that with um, the James Wiseman situation, which, again, it's ludicrous that, like, because we played James Wiseman in, like, two games you know, when he was quote unquote ineligible for the nonsense stuff, like because of that now Memphis is like, you know, on the brink of sanctions. It's nonsense. But um Kansas is going through it as well with the AI the IARP. Uh and now the latest school to go through that system will be uh LSU. Obviously you look at what Kansas and LSU are going through, probably more severe than what Memphis is going through, uh, you would hope. I mean, but you know, in the NCAA, LSU will probably get a, uh, you know, they'll probably be on probation while Memphis gets a three-year ban. Um, but no, look, I think this is alarming for LSU. Shout out to Dick Vitale. Dick Vitale yeah. has been every every week pretty much pounding the desk. LSU, the sanctions are coming. My source at the NCAA or whoever is telling me that the, the, the sanctions are coming for LSU. And LSU fans have been getting that Dick Vitale. They feel like Dave Vitale actually cost them the Musa Cisse commitment because he's been so adamant that sanctions are coming. Um, you do wonder about the Musa Cisse commitment uh, and recruitment, and whether or not the fear of sanctions was, uh, or the cloud around the program, whether or not that affected that recruitment. But it's it, it's not good. Um, I like if these things if if LSU comes down with any real sanctions because of this, I don't know if Willway can keep his job. Like, he probably needs to get a show cause, just based off of the NCAA rule. Like, this should be a Bruce Pearl, Tennessee situation. Like, what Bruce Pearl did at Tennessee is half, not even half, it's a quarter of what Will Wade's been accused of doing. Yeah, that's, pe- and, that's petty stuff compared to Will Wade. Yeah, it was petty stuff. Like, oh, yeah, he lied about a barbecue with a recruit or something like that. And so, yeah, two-year show cause. And it was like, well, we've got to fire him. It was kind of it was a wild situation then. Will Wade, who also by the way hasn't done as much as Bruce Pearl did at Tennessee, but Will Wade recruited greatly, but has used reportedly a lot of tactics 
to get those recruits. And those tactics, they're not going to put the program on probation, uh, not even beyond probation. They're going to put the program probably under severe uh, sanctions. These are what they consider level one violations. You don't ha- you don't feel good if you're LSU. You don't feel good if you're the administration. Uh, this feels like one of those things where you know they're uh, they're just gonna let it ride out until they really have to until the fire hits. But um, they're not interested in putting it out beforehand. They're just they're gonna be reactionary rather than proactive. Yeah, it almost feels like you know because the question has been like, how is Will Wade employed? How does he still have a job? And it's a question I've asked a bunch of times. But now I think I may be kind of understanding to you know take from you know the acting attorney you know u.s attorney june kim uh when he was acting u.s attorney or whoever the guy was uh the fbi guy who did set the comment oh I, we know your playbook music. yeah it's some yeah. district guy I, we knew we got your playbook i think i might yeah. have lsu's playbook i think we've all at least now i have it i don't know if this was their initial plan but i think we're at the point now where they're like okay will wade is doa um he's dead man walking so do we fire him now without knowing what the circumstances are and then be getting a fight with how much money we owe him? Or do we just let this joint ride out, keep him there, and then once it becomes very clear this dude is dirty as, you know, as dirty can be, we could fire him with just cause, he gets no money, and yeah, it will hurt the program that we kept him this long, but at least we keep all this bread. Yeah. I feel like that's definitely got to be the play here because... To me, every day he's there, it just makes their case worse. And and here the NCAA is saying, look, the reason why we can't even properly investigate this thing is because this dude is obstructing. And you know, Dawkins said on the on this documentary that you know Will Wade's a gangster. Like he he doesn't care. He's gonna kind of flaunt his uh, situation and his his power uh, in the NCAA's face. And I think that LSU feels powerless because Will Wade has brought them successful basketball, the most the most successful basketball they've had at that program in a long time. So, um, and the the outrage towards players getting paid has hit at all time low amongst um, the general population. So firing him for paying players just looks bad when you're winning. I think is their calculation. So I think, okay, well let's just. Put, let's make it to where we have no choice to fire him, and then when we do that, we also will have will have a great case to say we believed in him. He told us this. He lied to us, and therefore he's not getting any money from us moving forward. That's got to be the playbook. And maybe they're making the case that look, the sanctions are going to be bad whether we fired him now, whether we fired him last year, or whether we fire him after these sanctions come out. It's not going to be that much discernible difference. So what's the point? And when when our our case of keeping our money will be better. If we fire him after like the official sanction, the official charges are out there, and we have the just cause for why Will Wade is fired and defrauded this university, and therefore we can get rid of him after that. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, like it's it, it, what you're saying kind of just it reminded me of the the Kevin Ollie situation at UConn, where like. You know, he got a violation because Ray Allen worked out with a uh, with a recruit on an official visit, and so they fired him for cause, and <laughs> he didn't get any money. Um, but Wade probably get you know the fall back. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, regardless. But yeah, I, I ideally you think legally that that's the argument that they'll use uh, and that they should use. Um, now, I mean, look, I think 
<laughs> you could probably fire him now for cause, just based off of like the allegations and being able to un, you know, fulfill your duties. Uh, in the in the right, in the, I think there's know. that one like that that little hope that maybe the sanctions aren't that bad, and then maybe we keep him because he's done a great job. Right, Will Wade. That's why they're keeping him. It's not if if they didn't like Will Wade again, like the Kevin Ali situation. I don't know if they like him. I don't think they like him, but he's useful. <laughs> like I think, like he clearly, like he, like he's flaunted his power not just to the NCAA but to the university. He's told them basically screw off when they've asked think. him about this stuff. Yeah, so, yeah, he told and saying I, you, I, de- I demand you bring me back and reinstate me. Yeah. Like I mean, he, I don't think like, they, I don't think they like him. I just think that they, they're in a position where the fans like him and he wins and he's useful to them because he brings them money. So it's like. We're not gonna. I don't like him, but he he's helping us in terms of what we want yeah, to do. Yeah, that was one of the, the most bizarre situations in the history of college. Sports. I've never seen that before. A guy chastised his own employer. Yeah, tell like, him I demand you get rid of my suspension. I'm not, I'm not answering any of your questions. Um, I talked to my lawyer, and he still has a job. He told him, "Talk to my lawyer. I'm not talking to you." Yeah, and as if like again, do you not think that I'm guilty? If you're not guilty, why can't you talk to her? If we got FBI. So yeah, that was that was a very bizarre situation. Um, if you're if you're first of all, as John Rossi likes to say, uh, Will Wade, American gangster. <laughs> but <laughs> second of all, you do have to feel bad for Sharif O'Neal because remember Sharif O'Neal was committed to Arizona, and when that whole situation with DeAndre Aiden and Sean Miller kind of came out, he decommitted and decided to go to UCLA. Which was a bad fit, and he then Steve Offer gets fired. Um, he decides to transfer from there. He doesn't want to play for Mick Cronin. Now ends up at LSU, which I'll be honest, you kind of knew what you were walking into, so I don't feel that bad. But goes to LSU, and now this is all this is coming out. Is he just going to ride it out? I feel like he's not going to LSU because of Will Wade. That's my impression. Is yeah, that, yeah, that's a Shaq thing. Yeah, this goes be this is a lot. This is because of Shaq, and it goes beyond LSU. He's closer to Atlanta on the East Coast, which is where Shaq is now based. So it makes sense. Um, and look, LSU's not like a program we have to worry about. Like, you know, like he could have went to Memphis, but, you know, Memphis is always going to try to recruit over him. You know, like you go to LSU and you can st- kind of still be the man uh, or at least be a contributor. So it makes sense. I don't think that he's going to cry over the fact that Will Wade is gone, but it's, it's bizarre. And, you know, what happens if they're on a postseason band? Does he transfer again? Like that? So again, you feel for that for that situation, but um, yeah, it's not not a huge shock what's happening at LSU. Hashtag American Gangster. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see if Will Wade survives this. I mean, the guy has survived everything. So, oh yeah, I'm not 59. I'm not putting anything past him. I'm not putting past that he somehow survived even this. But uh, this this doesn't look good. This this looks like the end is near, and. Um, and they seem to be set up for just like a ridiculous hammer to be dropped on them, you know. As you said, Dick Vitale has been hinting at that, but we'll see what actually comes down when this when this happens. Uh, but let's move on now uh, to talk about the Kentucky Wildcats. So it's been, as we said, a tumultuous all season for the Kentucky Wildcats, who lost top assistant Kenny Payne, which we talked yeah, about on the last month. show. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's been to- yeah, even a month. Uh, <laughs> it's been it's been a lot happening, uh, but the team has announced that two. High-profile uh, coaches will be joining their staff, uh, which is sure to make waves in the recruiting trail. Top assistant 
uh, for Indiana and former Drexel head coach Brewster Flint will join John Calipari's staff as an assistant coach. Flint was uh, on Calipari's staff at UMass back in the 90s. He also has deep ties to Philadelphia, obviously, where he was born and raised and coached at Drexel for 15 years. Also, Jai Lucas, a former NBA player who spent his post-playing days as an assistant at Texas, has seen uh, the you know the uh, there's a big part of the recruitments of players like Mo Bamba, Did Jared Allen. What was that? Jai Lucas ever made the NBA? I don't know. Maybe he did. Oh yeah, maybe he didn't. He might not have made the NBA. Yeah. Anyway, yeah, uh, <laughs> he was American. Yeah, yeah you know. big time. You know, college basketball player. Uh, yeah. Anyway, he was he was at Texas. He was big in the recruitments of Mo Bamba, Jared Allen, Jackson Hayes, and Greg Brown. Obviously, recently just uh, committed to, uh, to to uh, to Texas. He now is joining the staff of John Calipari. He will serve as an assistant to the head coach and the school's recruiting coordinator. Uh, this news also comes as UK has just earned the commitments of uh, 24/7 Sports Top 50 guard Nolan Hickman, and is considered now the new favorites for uh, five-star combo guard Hunter Salas from Nebraska. So, Kendall, are these hires a big deal, little deal, or no deal? Um, I mean, look, the hires, the Kenny Payne situation and the subsequent hires of Bruiser Flint, I, look, I don't think the Bruiser Flint hire is a big deal. Um, look, it's a connection. Even Kyle Perry are close. Uh, gets Bruiser Flint closer to a uh, head coaching job. Um, it gets yeah. him back kind of in the, in the mainstream lexicon of college basketball. Uh, Jai Lucas, I think, could be a big deal. Um, he seems like a guy that's going to be fast-tracked to, you know, being a real player in college basketball uh, on the coaches and in, in coaching circles. Um, you mentioned the impact he's had at Texas, um, recruiting, ironically enough, big men, big men, considering he's a guard, but uh, he was a guard, but... Um, yeah, I mean, obviously, again, you mentioned the impact he had at Texas. Uh, I feel like the Lucas name, it runs deeper in Texas than it does anywhere else, but it still runs deep, pretty deep in basketball regardless. Um, and you pair him with Kentucky, and, again, the work he's already done at, te- at Texas. Now you compare him, you pair him with the Kentucky brand and Calipari, and it feels like this could be very, very interesting. And if you're a Kentucky fan, you have to be excited. And I think the one thing that really stood out with the Jai Lucas hire was uh, after he was hired, I looked at his Twitter account. I don't know why. I think it was just, I think I must have ran into it. And I was scrolling through I was scrolling through his tweets. He doesn't tweet very much, but I was scrolling through his tweets, and uh, uh, I, saw, I saw an interesting one from June. It was a, it was a tweet. It was a, a retweet of... Uh, William Wesley, Worldwide West, getting hired by the New York Knicks. Um, and he retweeted it with the caption, Unk. <laughs> you know, and with a uh, exclamation point. So you put that, you put two and two together. Calipari, Worldwide West, CAA, you know, now Jai Lucas clearly has a good relationship with Worldwide West, looks at him as his uncle, quote-unquote, Put two and two together, it makes sense why this connection happened. Whether or not Cal Perry, I don't know if Cal Perry had much of a relationship with Jai Lucas prior to this. As much as it is that Jai Lucas had a connection with Worldwide West, who has a connection with Cal Perry, and that's how that connection happened. It'll be interesting to see whether what you know where the connections are for Jai Lucas in recruiting. Because 
obviously, William Wesley is busy working for the New York Knicks. Uh, not going to have the same impact on the recruiting trail that he's had previously, um, at least I would imagine. And so, will you know? Will we see the same kind of guys? I mean, I think about even the Jaden Hardy situation because Jaden Hardy is a guy that, for the longest time, was considered an absolute lock to go to Kentucky. Corey Evans himself said Jaden Hardy is pretty much a quote virtual lock to go to Kentucky. And this past week, uh, Corey Evans has moved his crystal ball from. Jaden Hardy from Kentucky for Jaden Hardy from Kentucky to UCLA of all places. Jaden Hardy, obviously a five-star top five guard out of uh, Las Vegas. I would say the best guard in this class. Um, it's interesting. I don't know if that's connect- a connection to Kenny Payne and Kenny Payne not being there and now Jai Lucas and Bruiser Flint coming in and whether or not that shook up that recruitment. I would imagine so. That would be my guess, is that that's what's happening. And why UCLA now is the favorite is interesting. I don't know why. I can't really speak to that. But um, obviously, it's West Coast, so it's closer to home, even though he's from Detroit. But, he's, you know, he's in Vegas now. It's closer to home. Um, but that's a blow to Kentucky. But then you mentioned the Hunter Salas situation. You could bring in Nolan Hickman, who Nolan Hickman is Kentucky's kind of response to the Kennedy Chandler recruitment. Uh, a kid from the West Coast who... Um, it's going to be playing out in Utah this 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 for a senior season. Um, very solid point guard. Again, Nolan Hickman, kind of similar to Kenny Chandler. In that he's not a one and done. Uh, I don't really even think he should be a starting point guard uh, from day one. But Kentucky isn't really equipped with a one and done point guard right now. Devin Askew is another five star point guard that I wouldn't project as a one and done guy. He's going to stay there for two or three years. So you have him and Nolan Hickman. Nolan Hickman could play the Tyler Eulis role for that 2015 Kentucky team that went to the Final Four and lost to Wisconsin. Remember, Tyler Eulis was probably better than Andrew Harrison, but certainly was was a contributor. But he was also a freshman, and it was a backup. I think Nolan Hickman could be a similar kind of prospect for Cal Perry, which is why I think he liked him and why he took the commitment. Um, and Hunter Salas is a big-time guy. He's a guy that's really shooting up a lot of recruiting services in terms of the top 100. Um, some people have him now in the top 10, top 5. Uh, I think yeah, I've little, seen him in top five. In yeah, places, yeah, you know, I think he's he's a little more developmental uh, than I think your normal top five recruit. When you think about like a guy, like I don't think he's gonna come in and be a twenty point scorer. Uh, but I think like he's similar to BJ Boston, who's also committed to Kentucky or going to Kentucky this season. In that, like, he's a lot of physical tools, a lot of you know, he's got a skill level mixed with the physical tools that makes you think long term. This guy could really be dynamite. Um, in the immediacy, and again, similar like we talked about with Chet Holmgren, maybe, look, maybe the, all of the skills and physical tools don't match completely right now. Maybe it's still a little raw. But a year from now, could, like, could he be the best guard in the class? Could he be better than Jaden Hardy? Absolutely. Jaden Hardy is better right now in terms of just skill level. I mean, he's a guy that's put up 60 in games in high school and is just an elite scorer of the most elite uh, acclaim. But uh, Hunter Salas, better athlete, better physical profile. So it's going to be interesting. But Kentucky, uh, it was, again, like you said, a very wild month for Kentucky basketball. Um, I've said a lot here, but, you know, ultimately I think Kentucky fans should breathe a sigh of relief after the, you know, departure of Kenny Payne. Obviously, you may lose out on Jaden Hardy now, 
which is tough because that was the guy they were going to build their class around. But you replace that with Nolan Hickman and Hunter Salas, and you look, you look, you hope that you can get Pat Baldwin, uh, which would be a quite, you know, a rebound and a quite the uh, message to Coach K. That, all right, you can get Banchero. I'll go and get your guy Pat Baldwin. So it'll be interesting how this all plays out. But Kentucky, they'll be fine. They'll continue to get five stars as long as Cal Perry's there. Jai Lucas should certainly help with that. Yeah, I mean, you know, first of all, I wanted to quickly read uh, Cal's statement on Jai Lucas because he talks about how he's known uh, the Lucas family for a long time. He said, I've known the Lucas family for 25 years and followed Jai's career both as a player and as a coach. As our fans know, Jai was recruited here as a player um, and he knows a lot about this program. I've always been impressed by the work he has done and the relationships he's created. Jai is another guy who everyone has respect for because of his work ethic and his players' first approach. He will be a great addition. So there, you know, uh, Cal's kind of connecting his dad and him recruiting him as a player to this hire, and we'll see um, if their relationship is be is able to, you know, be solid. Obviously, with you know Jai coming on as an assistant coach and a recruiting coordinator. Um, in regards to uh, how this shapes up with some of the other shifting and, and, and moving with, you know, Jaden Hardy and Sky Clark. It's Yeah, it's Sky Clark. We didn't even mention him. Sky yeah, Clark. yeah, because Sky Clark also, uh, you know, now yeah. looking like uh, North Carolina lean, uh, according to rivals Corey Evans, uh, who says, you know, I think recently uh, Sky had a conversation with Roy Williams on a Zoom call. Apparently went very well. Now North Carolina is looking at the kind of looking like the front runner there i'll be honest i i think that i think cal you know looked at the situation we talked about on the on this podcast that you know kentucky was just not getting the players they they were i'm not saying he wanted kenny Payne out the door but i think once kenny Payne, the opportunity came and knowing cal i bet you he told kenny to take that job that's just kind of how he is um i think he kind of looked at this though as a time to maybe retool and say look things just aren't at like they were you know what I'm saying? And I know we have some guys that look like they're leaning us and they're top players, and that's great, but maybe we just kind of need to shake things up a little bit. And could that hurt relationships with certain kids that we thought we had? Maybe. But if there's anybody that could absorb that, it's me. You know, And and, and he would be right in the sense that if there's anybody that could absorb a little bit of a shake-up here and there, um, it's him. He could turn around and get a top 10 guy tomorrow and nobody would lose sleep or be surprised because it's Cal. So I, I think that him saying, look, let me grab Bruiser, um, Philly. I think we've seen Philly high school basketball really rise, I think, in the last four or five years. I feel like yes. the players coming out of the Philly suburbs and the, and and the city of Philadelphia at, right now, is it's hot. It's a hot it's bed of town. It's super hot. I mean, yeah. next year, the 2022 class, I mean, Roman Catholic High School in Philly. I mean, obviously, we talked about, I mean, 2021, Jalen Worley is going to Florida State, and Rushville Diggins is going to – UConn, but in 2022, uh, John Camden, another wing out of out of the PA area, is also really good. Um, but 2022, Jalen Duran is the number two player in the country, straight from Philadelphia, went to Roman Catholic High School. His teammate is William Guard at Roman Catholic, top 20 player in the country. They both transferred to Montverde, which is a blow to the Philadelphia basketball community, but doesn't dispute the fact that those guys have ties to the city. Of course. I'm sure Bruiser Flint has ties to those guys, potentially, if not yeah. straight recruiting through AAU coaches, through high school coaches. Um, 
could that those guys could they not be involved with those guys? Dariq Whitehead, another five star from New Jersey, like you know, Bruce Flint has been in that area obviously uh, for decades. So this is going to be that it will have that impact. Yeah, exactly, and and then also Bruiser. You know, losing Kenny Payne. Kenny Payne wasn't just a recruiter. Kenny Payne was very, you know, instrumental in the player development and coaching, actually, as well. And Bruiser, you know, a long-time, uh, very good college basketball head coach. You know, you add some X and O's also to your bench as well. So, Bruiser makes a lot of sense. He didn't have as much of a recruiting uh, role at Indiana, despite the fact that they got some big-time players. But he, they may use those Philly ties with some of those kids that you have coming up. And then, and then you add Jai Lucas, and you know he is your your ace recruiter, your your big time beast on the trail, and 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 again the 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 ties he has in Texas is just I mean come on the Lucas family is royalty, so so I I like what Kentucky's doing, and again it may shake up some of the guys they were looking at, but they needed a shakeup, and I think that, um, I think that Kentucky I think this is big deal, and I asked little deal small I think this is a big deal, I think that, uh. Cal, I'm not saying he listens to our show, but I think he's heard the whispers that, you know, where, where is Kentucky? Is, are they still the one-and-done factory? Are they still the place to go? Just It just hasn't, for, you know, at the lack of a better term, just hasn't been as lit there for a while now, and we've talked about it a yeah. bunch. But do I think that Jai Lucas could help a great deal? Absolutely. Do I think Bruiser Flint and his ties to Philly can help a big deal with the players coming out of Philly? Absolutely, and I think Bruiser Flint is just a great addition, just period, because he's a really good head coach. Yeah. So I think if you're a Kentucky fan, um, you know the the Hardy stuff and the Sky Clark stuff may definitely, you know, be a little alarming. But I'd say have some patience. I know for Kentucky fans, not the most patient bunch, but I say have a little patience. I, I, you don't need patience that long. I think it may, it may just be a couple months, and things may turn around very quickly. I, I think that. Uh, it's going to be very fascinating to see what happens down in Kentucky. They, they became more interesting to me this week than they have in a long time. Like, and I know yeah. they're Kentucky, but like, it's just, I kind of felt like they were kind of just like going through the motions, even though they were yeah. Kentucky. And, and a lot they, of Kentucky this, fans. This is a change. This, this is a, a, these are potential difference makers. Yeah. A lot of Kentucky fans, a lot of people around the program wanted Orlando and Tigua back, you know, and Tigua coming from, uh, Illinois has done a great job at Illinois, obviously. They Unbelievable job at Illinois. Top five, top ten recruiting class. You know, a program that's even dead. You know, once they brought it, and it's a and all of a sudden now they've become yeah. a factory. I don't know how that happened. But regardless, um, you know, they thought, like, oh, can we get him back? And I think that would have been interesting. I don't know if Antigua would have left or not. But this is, this is new. You know, this is something different. This connects them to guys that they haven't been connected to before. Again, Hunter, Hunter Salad. Exactly. Nebraska, it, Nebraska, Texas, not that far. Do you feel like Jai Lucas probably had already recruited Hunter Salas, maybe had a relationship with him prior, possibly? Um, Hunter Salas has an interesting list. A lot of West Coast schools, uh, even your Gonzaga Bulldogs were on that list. Or are, I did are see on that. that list. <laughs> um, yeah. It shows you, man. Mark Few is really trying to push the boundaries. I mean, Hunter Salas, you know, just watches games. So he does not, doesn't scream Gonzaga basketball. He's trying to, man, my guy Few is trying to get a ring. He, he's yeah, trying to get a ring. He's like, he's been so close. Holmgren. He's been so close. He's like, I got to get this ring, man. I'm the best yeah. coach now. Now that Bennett's got one, I'm the best yeah. coach in college basketball doesn't have one. And he's yep. trying to get one. Thank you all for listening in and watching this edition of the Uncommitted Podcast. Of course, you can catch all of our Uncommitted episodes on the New Generation Podcast Network. 
We're on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud, Stitcher, and TuneIn, along with, of course, our video editions, which are posted on YouTube every month. Also, be sure to check out our social media. We're on Twitter, New Generation Pod, on Instagram, New Generation Podcast, and on Facebook, New Generation Media. You can find me on Twitter, EJ underscore Stewart, and on Instagram, Action EJ. That does it for now. Thank you guys for listening. For Kendall, I'm EJ. Take it easy, guys. Peace.